I'm not sure how closely you follow Italian politics. I once covered an Italian election. It is an interesting process. Their ballots look like, well, look like something far larger than you'd ever see here. It is a uh, confusing process, but there was a seismic shift in Italian politics last night that was felt across Europe today. Uh, Georgia Maloney is set to become the country's first female prime minister, but that's not what's grabbing the headlines today. Instead, it's the fact that she leads a party called the Brothers of Italy Party, making it the first time the far right has been in power in Italy since the Second World War. The victory looks set to deliver the first far-right-led government since World War II and make its leader, Giorgia Meloni, the first woman to become Italy's premier. The country's right-wing lurch immediately has shifted Europe's geopolitical reality, placing a Eurosceptic party in position to lead a founding member of the EU and its third-largest economy. Near-final results show Meloni's centre-right coalition netting some 44% of the parliamentary vote. Turnout was a historic low at 64%. I'm Charles Duladesma. What's remarkable about all this is the Brothers of Italy party only got 4% four years ago, 26% this time around. Uh, They're part of a coalition, a right-wing alliance that includes uh, Matteo Salvini's far-right league and a name you may be familiar with, former PM Silvio Berlusconi's center-right Forza Italia. Uh, They'll take control of the Senate and the Chamber. But what's really interesting here is the reaction in Europe today, which was not happy other than in Hungary, where they sent some uh, very nice quick messages about this, Viktor Orban's government did. Um, François Macron, the French Prime Minister today, Emmanuel Macron rather, uh, along with other EU officials, said they'd be watching closely to ensure that basic human rights are ensured in Italy. So what does this all mean for Europe and other big things such as the war in Ukraine? Joining me now is Kurt Hubner. He's a professor of political science at the University of British Columbia and the interim director of the Institute for European Studies at UBC. Thanks for your time. Good evening, Ben. So... (laughs) I mean, I, I I was following the election somewhat, but I had no idea who Georgia Maloney was up until about a few weeks ago. And now she's prime minister of the third biggest country in the European Union. It has come as quite a shock, has it not? Yeah, I mean, you are not alone. Uh, indeed, uh, a couple of weeks ago, that is a few months ago, uh, Georgia Maloney was only known for really for experts and known obviously in, in, inside Italy. But uh, as you mentioned in your intro, uh, she was heading a party that only won 4% of the votes at the last election, 2018. And now it's 26. So that's quite an enormous development. And, to, you know, and, and it's difficult to interpret what, what, what happened. So one way to look at it is um, uh, it, it, it can be seen as an earthquake, so to say. That, uh, but it, I would say it's an earthquake long in the making. So... Uh, to some degree, it's not really uh, surprising. It's, if you look at it, uh, before Meloni, it was uh, uh, Salvini's party that was uh, actually polling sometimes up to 40%, and they had a, a, in real numbers. They are much, much stronger than they are now. And uh, there's also a right-wing party, not with the same kind of roots in the neo-fascist uh, movement like Meloni's Brother of Italy, but still also a right-wing populist party. So what we see at the moment is more or less a kind of redistribution of votes between the three parties, if you include uh, uh, Forza Italia from Berlusconi. Then we have the three, and uh, obviously out of the three, Meloni's party uh, is the winner. And if you ask why, then it's the only of the three parties, actually, that was not supporting 
this technocratic government of Draghi uh, who had to leave. Uh, so uh, they were, she was, they were staying outside. And this may also explain a kind of, she's you, she's innocent. She hasn't had her hands in all this kind of political games that are so prominent in Italy. And this maybe has been seen as attractive for a lot of voters. Yeah, I, sp- I suppose in some senses in the great battle to be the outsider or to be the non-government, uh, she probably would have been in the best position to position herself as that. Um, what do we know about her? And uh, tell me a bit about the party. You mentioned it in passing. They do have their ties way back to some uh, unfamiliar with some familiar and, and unpleasant names in the past. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the roots are going back actually to the neo-fascist movement that then again, tries to make, uh, let us say, historical ties uh, to Mussolini's party in the 1920s. So that was already the fascism developing in Italy, even before uh, it came then another kind of burst, a much more tragic one, a terrible one in Germany. But so there are those kind of historical roots. And uh, I would say a lot of the members of this party have still nice memories, so to say, on on, on this kind of history. Uh, She was a firebrand, Maloney herself, for quite a long time. Actually, only very recently, when it became more obvious that the chances to really make a breakthrough are increasing enormously, that she was more tempering her her kind of comments and did all kind of efforts uh, to no longer present herself as this very kind of radical uh, person who at a time was uh, in, in very positive ways also referring to Mussolini. So all this is now gone. She's making all the kind of statements. Uh, fascism uh, is a, a history of the past and we don't uh, relate to this any longer. So she is this person who on the one side um, is seen, I think so, by critical parts of the electorate as somebody who has in place with the history and tries to turn it into some kind of, uh, that is a more acceptable version. And herself, she tries now also to speak to a larger audience. And this is the balancing act she has to, to perform at this moment. Italian politics is, never ceases to amaze, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the ups and downs of Italian politics, you know, the five-star party who had sort of were the revolutionary party 10 years ago are now out uh, for the time being. Is this just Italian voters sick of government? So they just elected, I mean, this is clearly not a, not the most savory choice. Um, you know, I was watching her, her videos are circulating online again today. Some of the things she said in the past about uh, about freedom and nation and so forth remind one of 100 years ago or maybe a little bit less. Um, but it's just a, just a case of, of Italian voters being sick of the status quo and willing to vote for anybody who isn't. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing we have to, to, to take into consideration, actually, there are two elements. Number one is, look at the, 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 the turnout. It was the lowest yeah. in history after World War II. 64% of the eligible voters went, actually, to polls. Uh, this is compared to the last election, was was 78 or something like this, 74. So I think the 9 or 10 percentage points less this time. This tells there's a, the electorate is tired, is skeptical, and is no longer, you know, there are, they're fed up with the kind of existing parties. And some of them decided, okay, but we don't go then to this uh, uh, part of Italy party for a variety of reasons. So actually, if you look at it, just a very weak mandate in this regard. Number two, right. if you add up the votes for 
the, the, the Democratic Alliance, this includes uh, the, 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 the PD and those uh, smaller parties. And then also, as you mentioned, uh, the, the, the Five Star Movement, then actually they, aren't, they didn't build a coalition. This was probably one of the, the big mistakes. But if you would add it up, then this constellation would have got more votes than the alliance of those right-wing populist parties. So this tells the electorate in Italy still is highly divided and split. And this will make also uh, governing uh, pretty difficult, I would assume. I would imagine. And, you know, governments in Italy have a tendency to never last very long. Sometimes, they last, sometimes they'll survive for a while, but not, <laughs> not usually. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of challenges coming up, too. But I was wondering, just in terms of policies, I mean, what conceivably, obviously, anti-immigration is a big thing. Um, yeah. For her part, for her part of the Fratelli dell'Italia, but what kind of policies do you expect to see from from Prime Minister Maloney and her and her and her Brotherhood of uh, of, of Italy party in the near in the near term? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, the, her, her slogan was pretty clear. I mean, this is she appeals on Christianity. She appeals on the family, obviously, uh, and then also. The, the, the nationhood, so to say, and this, has, this includes in the, the, the anti-migration policies. And I guess I, we could expect that Salvini would try to uh, to become again interior minister. This would then be his band-aid, this area where he could uh, repeat uh, this time without making this kind of internal disturbances, his anti-migration policies. Uh, besides that, you know, there's not... Uh, it, there's not a lot and, and big things I would assume she can actually do. But we have to to see the situation. The situation also the EU plays a very important role. Uh, and in this regard, number one is uh, Italy is supposed to get close to 200 billion euros out of this uh, resilient recovery fund that you put up. And to, but in order to do this, uh, Italy, each Italian government needs to fulfill quite a lot of criteria. So and there's also not only economic criteria, also political ones and, and, and legal ones. Uh, means reform of the administration, a kind of uh, increasing, improving the efficiency of the legal system. That's an absolutely terrible state in Italy. So this is a kind of a condition where obviously also brings constraint and restraints for, for, for any Meloni government. They can't change so much in, in this area. So she has to some degree to play at least for for a time be for a time, uh, according to rules uh, that are actually coming from Brussels. And uh, so this is restricting her room of maneuver, I think, so enormously. There will be a lot of symbolic things happen, I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, but then again, uh, you know, the, this coalition, if it will become a coalition, let's assume all this is happening according to plan, uh, it's not a very stable one. In Salvini is... Uh, made today the statement, you know, he will play second fiddle, so to say, and this will be a long-lasting government. But he's also very ambitious, and he needs to increase and improve his profile. And, uh, you know, and, and there are a lot of, uh, you mentioned the Ukraine war, where uh, Nalini very early on made pretty clear support of, of, of Ukraine is critical. She has more kind of anti, let's say, Russia stance. This is totally different when it comes to Berlusconi, who made only recently this kind of statement that uh, uh, Putin is more or less, uh, he only wanted to substitute Zelensky by a more decent person. So we're downplaying the, this whole war. And, uh, and Salvini also is a good friend to, to Putin. So only this Indeed. area. Um, in this case, uh, Kurt, it's interesting because 
you know, the, Italy's not Hungary. You know, Italy's a big, a big country, and they have this far right leader. So, what does this mean? Do you think for? I mean, Marine Le Pen, obviously, France was the was going to be the big seismic shift if she had won, and she didn't. Um, but in this case, you know, the third largest country in the European Union now has a far right leader. It must it must have some kind of impact in the greater collective. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Uh, the Commission and all politicians in Brussels, but across. Uh, most of the member states of the European Union are looking very carefully what is now unfolding. And I mean, it's, on the one side, it's, it, it sends a very strong message. We have seen the, the elections in Sweden where a kind of similar constellation is now. It's not a smaller country, but then it's Sweden. And you also would have expected uh, that things would turn out differently. And now it's Italy. And we have already Poland. We have uh, Hungary, as you mentioned. Uh, we have smaller countries where it's you know, where at least some sympathy with what uh, Meloni will present or is now presenting in, in terms of ideology. Uh, so we see really there's an impact, and uh, this would, this means if you look where, where is where are the big kind of policy agenda being set, then it's in the European Council where the head of the states are meeting. And now Meloni, let us assume all things work out like this, and she would sit there and would negotiate, and she would have uh, partners uh, that are sympathetic. Uh, the question then is, how far are they willing to go? Obviously, uh, Orban is uh, is an urgent need of of partners because now with the Ukraine war, Poland is uh, has a different kind of view than uh, Hungary. So Meloni may be the kind of substitute candidate to some degree. That's the one, one way to look at it. On the other side, as I mentioned, there's also constraints because Italy is in a very dire economic situation. Uh, the OECD just came out today with a kind of uh, a prognosis, which includes also then, uh, Germany and also Italy that are moving into a recession. So uh, the economic situation doesn't allow uh, to be too radical, obviously. We see just what happened in, in the UK, where a very radical, also populist right, uh, center-right party uh, made a plan that now it turns out that's a kind of catastrophe. So he will look at all this, and I guess so. this is will at least temper a bit the kind of ambitions, at least uh, short-term, medium-term. So I wouldn't see at this moment a large kind of danger, but it tells us also that a whole political landscape in Europe is changing. So uh, what used to be kind of anti-parties, uh, they moved to the center. They are now being accepted. And that, that, that is part of Italy party from 4 to 26 uh, moved. This is really showing, indicating there is now a much larger ac- acceptance uh, across Europe on this kind of parties, their thinking, and the idea, this is also the, one of the slogans of the part of Italy, we need to restore Italian values. We need to restore national identity. We need to be proud of, of Italy again. And, and this is, has a, at least the potential, because the EU is not nation-state focused, it's more shared responsibilities. And if one partner, one of the founding members of the, of the EU, Italy, now is changing the mode of, uh, of operation, this is a very uh, dangerous signal. Well, it, it certainly could be. I mean, if you look at, at a slight wave, we're coming out of the pandemic. Uh, I mean, it's mm-hmm. interesting to see the fact that right and left has become less important and sort of these different coalitions of people. I, I don't know who voted 
specifically for the right-wing coalition that is about to take power in Italy. But I would suspect it was people who used to vote far left as well, right? I mean, the Communist Party is gone, but but all those, mm-hmm. you know, and you look, it was all, a lot of it was concentrated up in the north as well, wasn't it? Up in where the Lombardy League was, where all those sort of those parties have been for a very long time. But it was interesting to see them get so much in the way of the vote. But, that's yeah. true, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the surprising uh, one surprising outcome of the elections is mm-hmm. that uh, the Five Star Movement, they were, everybody was expecting they are totally losing out. And they still got a, a relatively high share of the, of the popular vote. And that's mainly located in the South, where right. the citizens' income plan they were favoring and they were establishing, uh, they tried to defend it. Whereas uh, Meloni's Brother of Italy party was saying this is a kind of uh, just general basic income, so to say, for everybody who qualifies. This is uh, we, we need to get rid of it. So this is an area in the south, the south of Italy, where the part of Italy were not very successful. And then there were kind of the Tuscany and a, a couple of those uh, little spots. We are more the, the more kind of left-leaning parties were still successful. But if you look at it, most of the part of Italy is now really part of Italy. So they were, became their the strongest uh, party uh, in, in, in many, many areas. And uh, right. so uh, that's the situation. Well, it should be interesting to watch. We'll see. Kurt Hubner, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks so much. Yeah. Have a, enjoy your evening. Yep. Bye now.